You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Although I will say, Joe Leo, we'll get to the giant calls in a second. I will say, Joe Leo, um, I guess you might say as a Jet fan, that was kind of justice for him parading his Damarino jersey after that loss yesterday. Well, when you peacock like that, I think, uh, you know, he was up to no good, as some mm-hmm. would say. And I think you get some comeuppance for when you're up to no good. Yep. No question about it. No question about it. That's what happened. But Gordon will rejoin us in a couple of minutes. All right, we, we, we've talked a lot of Jets. Now I want to hear from the Giant fans. And I, was, I will say, I was checking out DPH and Rothenberg this morning and a couple of the other shows on the station, but especially DPH and Rothenberg this morning. And I was amazed to hear how the, many Giant fans called in and said the the – the veto experiment is over. We're done. Let's move on. And someone at Tyrod Taylor back in the starting lineup next week. I'm like, why? Tommy DeVito, if anything, Tommy DeVito showed you how tough he is. He deserves another. If he if he's physically able to go, I think he should start the rest of the season. I mean, what you know what Tyrod Taylor is. You've seen him. He is a very serviceable backup who can take over your team, run your offense for two, three games, four games, and give you an opportunity to win games. He's a mobile quarterback still, even though he's been in the league a while. He can run the football. He, he reads defense as well. He is a serviceable quarterback. <laughs> the Jets could use him <laughs> right now, okay? So, I, I, but for me, if I were a Giant fan, I would love to see what else Tommy DeVito can do. He has a certain energy. He has sparked the fan base. I mean, this was a giant season that people were just like, they were moaning and groaning. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, folks were like, you know, maybe we need to get rid of David. I don't know what's going on. Maybe maybe it's not, uh, you know, maybe it's not the situation. Maybe it's not what we've got. Gordon Damer returns. Gordon, I mean, I, I was telling folks that I've just been listening to the folks here, the giant fans who are ready to just say, you know what? I'm done with Tommy DeVito. The Tommy DeVito experiment is over. We're good. I'm done. Let's move on. Let's go back to Tyrod Taylor. I'm like, why? What? What What has Tommy DeVito done that, that, that is so bad? Because he faced a New Orleans team yesterday that was desperate for a win, that came in, that understood how to attack your offense, took away the run game, forced you into passing, and sacked Tommy DeVito seven times. A couple of them, yeah, I get it. He may have held on to the football too long because he didn't want to throw a pick and make it worse. All right? But for the most part, they couldn't run the ball, so what did you expect him to do? I mean, he left. He got knocked out. I mean, and and this is on the side. Let me just throw this in real quick. Now I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, The hit that uh, Zach Wilson took that that loosened the ball Mm -hmm. for the the one-yard line, the hit that DeVito took, no flag? I mean, I've seen I've seen people push quarterbacks and gotten the flag. These guys were laid out. They're getting up, shaking their heads. No flags. So that, but that's another point. So I'm just saying, you know, for me, I would if I'm a Giant fan, I want to keep seeing Tommy DeVito to the end of the year. Well, look, Tommy DeVito didn't play well yesterday. Nobody played well really yesterday. Um, but the way that he played, and I'm not going to tell you my singular focus was on that game because my team was playing the Jets, so I was more focused on that one. But when he struggled yesterday, he looked like Daniel Jones. He looked like Tyrod Taylor, which tells me that the Giants' problems are bigger than just the quarterback. So you have nothing 
There's nothing to be gained from this season really outside of let's see if Tommy DeVito can be a serviceable backup next year going into the year when you have all the questions you have about Daniel Jones. Or is he just, it's been a nice story, like Lynn Sanity ended. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be one of the, you got three games now to find that out, as much as you can find that out. But you're, it's, like a, it's like one of those circle stories. You tell your kids that it ends in the same place that it started. When the whole Tommy DeVito thing started, you were in a place where, boy, this is going to, we are, we're a bad team. We need talent. We need this. We need that. And he kind of gave you a little boost for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But now you're right back to where you started. This Giants, this is still a complete overhaul. This is not a quick fix. And, and the problems of the Giants are far bigger than just Tommy DeVito or Daniel Jones, for that matter. And you kind of knew when you faced Philly two out of the next three games, you're going to run into some tough. So we're not anyway. – I thought we were printing the playoff tickets. I thought that that was happening. I, I remember – No, no, no. The fans I heard early today, mm-hmm. starting with DNR this morning, Mm-hmm. And throughout the day, on a couple of shows, are I'm done with Tommy DeVito. Let's go back to Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, what? it's over. It was, you know. And then somebody said, w- "We now know that he's not going to start over Daniel Jones." Well, who said he was going to start over Daniel Jones? Right. That should really not have been part of your thought process to begin with. No, you should. The have first been just thing is, hey, can this can this guy be a serviceable backup that you can groom for down the road in case Daniel Jones gets hurt or is not ready to start next season and you don't really have to pay because he's he's a young player is not making any money exactly plus it's it's been a great story it's a local kid yeah why do we want to end it now what has he done so it was only going to continue until he had a bad game apparently so that makes no sense it does but the, a lot of not a lot, but a few giant fans with you know the the playoffs are not out of the realm of possibility. Or if you were somebody, oh, I think I think Tommy DeVito should start over Daniel Jones. No, I, I think that you were not coming from the right frame of mind. <laughs> no, you weren't. No question about that. Marvin's in the Bronx. Marvin, you're next on ninety-eight-seven. What's up, Larry? What's happening, G man? I gave what's going on, Marvin? Hey, look, you know I'm a long-time Giant fan. And to lose to the Saints, an insufferable team, the team of my ex-girlfriend down in New Orleans, it just, gets me, it just makes me angry twice. I know she's down there grinning and laughing, right? Hey, it's been a, it's been a nice story with Tommy DeVito. And um, the shame is to watch a great player like Saquon Barkley's career go through this, and we might not see the, the, the epitome or the tip or the apex of his, his greatness because of the efficiency of this team and in these years. And that's, that really saddens me. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Marvin, and, and thanks for the phone call. Um, but, you know, Gordon, Saquon Barkley has performed well enough that if the Giants don't decide to franchise him again, he can get a job somewhere else. He's still a very – he's still a guy that has an impact on an offense. And he has helped Tommy DeVito substantially – in the weeks that Tommy DeVito was playing. I I don't understand. The question is not, do the Giants want Saquon Barkley? The question is, why does Saquon Barkley want the Giants? Yeah. This guy should be going someplace else, and I'm not saying he's going to cash in there either, but he should look to go someplace else that he can get something out of his NFL career. This guy has had nothing Mm -hmm. outside of last year in the playoff. I mean, that's it. That's right. I don't understand why he would want to come back here. Yeah. You know, he's he's proved what he can do. Again, 
over and over. He just continues to do that, continues. And listen, yesterday was a situation. Listen, if you're a Giant fan, you saw what the Jet fan has been dealing with over the past couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. You can't run the ball because there's too many people in the box, and they know they're going to pressure you to try to throw it, and they they pressure them. Seven sacks scored. Right. Seven. Yeah. And 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 he was battered. <laughs> I mean, they they yep. roughed, they they got roughed after him up him. yesterday. Yep, no question. They roughed um, him up yesterday. Well, see, this is why when we were a lot of us were saying that the Giants should be looking to tank and and they should not be winning any more games because this is the situation. You're a bad football team. Mm-hmm. This Tommy DeVito didn't come in and he doesn't have a magic wand or or, or any of these guys. You have a lot of work to do. Last year was a fluky year where everything just happened to go right and now you're right back to square one so the only way you're going to get out of this is through the draft and winning those games that you won it might have made you feel good in the moment is like a sugar rush right it makes you feel good in the moment but it dissipates very very quickly and now as a result you might be sitting there with the seventh or eighth pick which is still okay Mm -hmm. but it's not the second pick it's not the third pick and that i think is it would have been better. The Giants as an organization would have been better served losing those games rather than dropping down five, six, seven spots in the draft. Well, I think what they're and now the process is, okay, is do we still go ahead and draft a quarterback later and give him the Dable, who we've seen can do work wonders and just work with him and let him work with him. As one caller said, uh, Gordon, while your hamster was, was recovering. Yes. Uh, was that look what he was able to do with DeVito. Mm-hmm. Okay, undrafted free agent, look what he was able to do. He, he's made him into a, you know, a functional quarterback. At this point, he's a functional quarterback. Now, he's got a lot to improve on, but he's a functional quarterback right now. So, you know, that's the next step. Do they do that? Or do they say, listen, <laughs> we have Daniel Jones next year. We got DeVito. What, maybe we need to... We got to do some work on the offensive line. There's there's a lot of stuff that they need also, Gordon. They they need some things. They as need well. an entire so, offense. It so, feels like they need an entire offense. Now I like the left tackle. Yep, Andrew um, Thomas. I like good. him, but mm-hmm. every, anything other than that. And and look, Saquon's a good player, but I don't know if investing more money in a in an aging running back who was hurt again this year mm-hmm. is really a smart plan moving forward. I think that they have to have a clean break with him. And they got to start over because yeah. for, for Dable and for Shane, if next year looks like this year, people are going to be shouting about starting over and it's going to be with them. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for them as well, you know, or do, or Gordon, do they say, well, we got this pick. Do we trade down and get a bunch of other picks and spread wow. the wealth around? Do we do that? But see, but they have so many needs on the offensive line as well. Yeah, the problem is if they're sitting there seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range, that's not generally to happen. Sometimes uh, I know that the, the Chiefs moved up to get Mahomes and stuff mm-hmm. like that, so it does happen. But you would have been much better served being sure. at three, yep. and and turning that pick into picks this year and picks next year, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's what they need. They need a complete open. Now the defense has come together. It's not a, I don't think it's a finished product, but they hit on some picks there, and that kind of looks good. That's mm-hmm. not that's not so far away. The offense is anemic, yeah, and it's kind of it gotten lost a little bit because the Jets' offense has been so bad. Yeah. 
But they need everything. They need a quarterback. They need an offensive line. They got to get receivers. They got to get a tight end. I mean, they need everything on offense. Yeah. It's a complete mess. Yeah. It's it's a multi-year build for them as well. Right. And we knew that coming in the door. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. last year kind of got us off track. Yep. Look how fell. Oh, Daniel Jones is this. Daniel Jones is that. The offense is this. Dable's a genius coach of the year. And now you're back to where... No, this is a long. This is a long-term build, and they're not yeah. going to be able to do it in just one off-season. Yeah, but it, what it does, Gordon, is it shows the roller coaster that fans go on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, oh, we're just going to lose all the. Oh, I don't care about this team. Oh, Devito, look, we won a game. Mm-hmm. We won another game. We won. Look, we won three games. Look, we're right back in there. The, the, he allowed them to dream, okay? And now that he lost, they're mad at him, <laughs> and they want him out. Because he, he gave them false hope. He allowed them to dream. All he did was do what he's supposed to do. He gave his best, best effort to go out and try to win games. And that's what he was able to do. And that's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Just, I, 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 do not, I cannot jive with the fan that just wants to, oh, I just want to win right now. I, I just want to be, I want to be slightly better than what I am right now, which is completely out of it with no hope. I just want momentary, brief moments of of some sort of joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes no sense to me. And now, yeah. and now with what the Giants did with that win streak, could you imagine if Washington, which is now ahead of you, they end up landing a quarterback who's really good, and you got to watch that guy for the next ten years? Oh God! <laughs> you better hope if that if that some- happens, I want the names of the people who said no. I want to win now. I want to win. I want to win against the, the, the Patriots, and I want to win against the – I want names, Larry. I want them <laughs> written down right in front of me so I can point them out. I want a list. So you're, the Giant fans are rooting for Jet fans this week, aren't they? Beat those uh, – beat Washington. No. No, no. You want Please. Washington to win. You want the Jets to just keep doing what they're doing no. because you want Washington to get to 5-10, and 10, and then you get to 5-10. and 10. Well, Oh no, man, you, you got the tiebreaker. Them, yeah, they got the You beat them. You got the tiebreaker. So you right. might as well just sit and watch. And, but don't, don't worry. You, you got – if things go as we expect, there's a couple of losses coming with this. You know, with I this would think so. Team. But we talk about what the difference is. It's the difference between right now having a top five pick yeah. and picking 11. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. And yeah, it's not just 10. in the first round. Right. You know, when you have that really high pick, you can look, you can look ahead to the second day of the draft. You're like, oh, this guy's still available. I thought this guy was going to go – you know, top 15, but no, he's still available. That, that I think, gives you more realistic hope. Even that might be a bit of a pipe dream. But that, to mm-hmm. me, is more realistic hope than thinking, hey, we beat the Patriots on a missed field goal at the end, or we beat the Washington Commanders, and, and that's going to turn us around. No, that's not going to do anything. It's meaningless. No. no. Helps you this year, but that's it. It helps Just, you on it, Sunday, but all the other oh, yeah. days doesn't fix anything. You're miserable. You're miserable. Jalen Hurts, with all those injuries and stuff, he's still first play of the game, comes out running the football. There you go. <laughs> Drew Locke, by the way, is getting the start for Seattle. No Geno. I like that because I'm on uh, I'm on Philly minus three and a half tonight. Oh, yeah, okay. Little, yeah, it's, oh, it's all about that. I gotta I gotta rebuild the bankroll after the amount of money I put on the Jets on the money line last night, you know? How did that happen? Well, I just want to be happy. You know how it happened. Losing money? Yeah, well, I want to be. I I would rather throw money away and have my team win. See, this is what I love when people tell me, "Oh, you're not a real Dolphin fan." I throw money away. I throw it in the fire just to have the solace of my team winning a game. So you bet against your team because you. I bet against my team. It's called a happiness hedge, right? 
and I, I had already bet a sizable portion. And then I was talking to my wife. She's like, you should bet more. Your wife said this? Yes. She said, you should bet more. Just so you will be, will you be happy at the end of the day losing the money? I said, yes. Would you be willing to pay? I'm not going to say what it was, but would you be willing to pay this much to watch your team win? I said, yes, I would. She said, you, you should. And I, I never disagree with my wife. I always listen to whatever she tells me. So I had, I had no choice. I had to put the money down. Don't we all? Yep. Don't we all? Yep. We always do what we're told. Exactly. Happy wife, happy life. We'll make some callers happy by talking to them next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. On 98.7 ESPN, in a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by Pat Ragazzo from SI.com, trying to figure out, Gordon, where or where, where or where will Yamamoto be? Where or where can he be? Will he be in New York? Will he be with the Yankees? Will he be with the Mets? Or is he going to drift off and join Team Otani in L.A.? I just wish he would make up his mind. It would be nice. Because it's getting a little... It's getting little annoying. Like some like sometimes you get sick of the rumors. I would like some rumors. Because yeah. like, we don't have anything to go on right now. We just we hear don't. this team's offering that and this team's... We got I need more a little dinner rumor. menus than offers. Yeah. I do not feel great about the Yankees at this point. You don't? No. Okay. I felt better last week. I, it, it feels like the Dodgers are just going to go out and pay him a boatload of money in 2062 and seal the deal. You know, I don't feel good about the Mets. But you have, you have the hammer. If, you wa- if, if Steve Cohen, now, I don't know, maybe Yamamoto money isn't the most important thing, mm-hmm. but it generally is the most important thing. Usually. And, there, and even if it's not when you go into it, the most important thing, there's a – every Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase. The best, the, best, the most telling, and the longest-running wrestling quote of all time, everybody's got a price. Everybody's got a price. It was true then. It's true now. It is. It is. I would feel better if after he didn't have dinner with my guy, he comes talking to your guy. <laughs> See, I would feel a little better. Well, see, I, I would actually feel better for you because he, he got a number at the Met dinner and he immediately took it to the Yankees. He said, you guys, can you do anything with this? Look, look, at, said, look at this. And you know what they said? Give us a moment. Maybe we can. I don't know. I don't know. I don't Give get the feeling. The Yankees can. can't play in those deep waters. Yeah, it doesn't they can feel make right. some moves. Don't be, now, they, they, it, they, got, they got a hope chest. See, each <laughs> team has things that should appeal. Mm-hmm. But the Yankees is is the history. Now, maybe that means something to Yamamoto, the Yankee brand, the yep. NY, the international feel. That mm-hmm. might mean mo- yep. if it's money, it's Mets. Mm-hmm. If it's you want to play with all these stars, mm-hmm. it's Dodgers. Yeah. If and location Dodgers, you would think. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. So hopefully, hopefully. So that means it'll be the Red Sox or something. Exactly. Yeah. Or, Somebody or, or the Giants. Off the, or right. the Giants. Hopefully, Regazzo yeah, will have some answers. I know. Can't be the Giants. Yeah, I know. Uh, Gordon, your friend Lonnie's in Long Island. Oh. Hey, Lonnie, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how we doing, gentlemen? How's it going tonight? We're good, Lonnie. What's going on? Well, my the Jets, man, you know, I, I'm so down on the Jets because, you know, two years ago, Trevor Lawrence was my dude. That's the guy I wanted. I was going for him, wanted him. We never got him. It hurt my heart. But – I don't know. The Jets, I, I just hope they – why are they winning right now? Why would, We don't need to win any more games. We won too many already. Well, so they didn't we, come we close to, to winning one yesterday, that's for sure. 
Oh, my Miami embarrassed. That's embarrassing. I mean, I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, Hackett, he couldn't get nothing going. No no plays in there. Nothing. nothing Come on, Lonnie. how do we look? Lonnie yeah, gave you bad, nothing man. yesterday. It is. It is. Thanks for the phone call. It is. Let, it's bad. Let me ask you this, Larry, because I was yeah. watching that game and they so they showed a couple of shots of Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he wanted to be anywhere rather than where he was. Yep. Do you think that it's possible that the frustration wasn't just about the team or the coach, but maybe it was about the offense? And it, because you'd have to say, if Rodgers ever said, this guy, Hackett, he's a, he's, he's a hack. We've got to get this guy out. He'd be gone, mm-hmm. right? The only right. thing saving yes. him is Rodgers. Yep. Is it possible at all that Rodgers' frustration was not just the, the game, but realizing that his guy is a disaster? Or it's like, they think they can win the Super Bowl? I came here, and they think they can win the Super Bowl. I mean, look at what I'm looking at. Look at this offensive line. Look at the look, look at look at the look at the the play calling. Look, it might be a bunch of things, Gordon. It could be just the, what am I doing here? You know, I, maybe I should have stayed in Green Bay. <laughs> oh, Gordon, you, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should not have come out of that retreat and just retired. Well, you know what? I was thinking today in an alternate universe, he's still in the in that darkness <laughs> retreat right now, and this is all taking place in his mind. <laughs> you know, like you ever see those TV shows where the guy yeah, thinks he's woken exactly. up from the dream, but he's still in the dream. <laughs> still in the dream. This is like Inception, where he's yeah. so many layers deep. Yep. No, this is a nightmare. This is not a dream. Oh my lord! This he could never nightmare. have thought that it would have been this bad. <laughs> I mean, just from from the beginning, just four plays in, four snaps scored, done. Yeah. I mean, he's got me. And then I will say, to follow up on what you might be right, you might be onto something because. Listen, you go back to Hard Knocks in the summer. Listen to him saying, no, throw it. What are we talking about? We're going to do what? No, throw it, throw it, throw it. He was always second-guessing what he heard in his headset. So he might be like, man, you're right. Hackett is, whoo. And this, and this, and this, and the personnel are, wow. <laughs> it's, it's a tough spot. It feels, and I, I can't say this because I'm not a Jet fan, but I mm-hmm. have my team has been in this same kind of situation. I would think for a Jet fan, this feels as hopeless as it's been. Yeah. Because yeah. at least sometimes you go through a year like this, and you know it's going to be a clean slate. We're going to wipe everything away. And who knows? Probably not, but at least the hope of tomorrow with a different cast of characters mm-hmm. would make me, that's what you have to hang your hat on. Yeah. That's not here with this. No. So it would feel no. like this is as hopeless as it's ever been. And the and the idea of, well, yeah, we know you need an offensive lineman desperately, but look at the quarterbacks that you have there, and you know you're going to need one in another year or so. But but if you're going to be in on this road, the Aaron Rodgers road, you're not taking the quarterback. You're going, as Rex said, to do what's best to help Aaron Rodgers be – a better next season, which means you're going to do offensive linemen. Oh, I've already locked it in. I don't know where the Jets are picking. If it's five, eight, if it's ten, they are taking the best offensive lineman on the board. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait for FanDuel. I'm going to recoup my losses on FanDuel when I get uh, when the, they put the odds up for the, the yeah. draft. Jets will take an offensive lineman. Send mm-hmm. it. Hit send. Yep. Now, right now. Right, right now. now. I'm locking in. I'm checking all every day. When do they have the draft props coming up? I need them. Yeah. <laughs>
Neither big. Yeah. After betting yesterday, I said to the kids, good news. The Dolphins won. Bad news. Christmas is canceled. They did not appreciate the humor in that, Larry. Well, the son didn't appreciate it, but the daughter, she didn't care because she knows she's, she can do no, it she's, she wants yeah, to. She's got she, daddy's eyes. Right. She's got the Amazon on her phone. So if, <laughs> if, if all else fails, no, we really. All right. Boop. Boop. You just call up Bezos personally. He's coming back. So it's Pat Ragazzo. He's coming back with us. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Gordon, did you see Ray Santiago stumble in here? Boy, he is a woof. Straight from the morning show there to now, tonight, get ready to do some uh, production. Lakers, mm-hmm. Knicks. Yeah. He's well, look, the, the, the amount of points the Knicks have given up lately. He'll be awake. He'll be busy. <laughs> He'll be he busy. will be busy. Lots of highlights for, for the mm-hmm. Lakers tonight. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about the Knicks at the top of the hour. Right now, let's talk a little baseball. For that, we bring in Pat Ragazzo. Does a great job covering baseball, especially the Mets, for SI.com. Pat, Larry, and Gordon, how are you, my friend? I'm great, guys. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. We're doing good. Thank you, sir. All right. Yamamoto, I'm hearing there's reports out that the Mets are going to make an offer soon. Um, Gordon thinks that the Mets have a better chance. I think the Yankees have a better chance. And my logic is simply because when Yamamoto goes, talks to the, to the Mets, has dinner, then he goes back and talks to the Yankees. <laughs> so what do you think, Pat? Where do you think he's going to end up? Well, um, you know, it's really going to come down most likely to the highest offer, but we've heard a lot recently about, um, you know, how iconic some of the franchises are or organizations, I'd say, that are pursuing him, such as the Yankees and Dodgers. Um, the Mets do have a good chance. I mean, they flew out to Japan to visit with him. It was Steve Cohen and David Stearns prior to the winter meetings. Uh, he came to New York over the weekend. He had dinner at Steve Cohen's house. Um, you know, the Mets are very much in this, and they have the ability to offer him that contract he's looking for. When when all when the offseason started, he was projected that he was going to receive around a, probably a $200 million contract, maybe a little north of that. Uh, then it went up to 250. Now it's uh, we're hearing 300 million dollar range for you know a pitcher who's who's very good, one of the best pitchers in the world, but hasn't thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball yet. But that's how talented this kid is. Um, so really, when it comes down to where he's going to wind up, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the race right now, including the Mets. But the Yankees and Dodgers, of course, have a very good shot. Um, you know, just given how iconic they are, and they're you know they're built to contend. They're if the season started today, the Yankees and Dodgers would probably be the two favorites to win. Uh, you know, the AL and NL pennant. So, obviously, Yamamoto is going to want to go somewhere, you know, where, where he, he's going to win. Uh, so, I, I would give those two, you know, a very good shot. And, um, you know, if, I, if I'm making a prediction of where he winds up, I would probably say the Yankees at this point. Pat, how much of this takes up of your day, right? Like, the, the offseason's just begun. You're, you're taking track of all the different moves and possibilities and talking to all these people. How much is Yamamoto – if I had a pie chart of, of Pat Ragazzo's day, how much is Yamamoto taking up of that pie chart? From a work standpoint, he's probably taking up about 75% of the pie chart of content <laughs> we've been churning out over the last couple of weeks, especially now. I mean, now that Otani signed – um, you know, it's, it's all the focus has turned to Yamamoto. Uh, you know, where is he going to wind up, uh, end up? And, and we, we heard that he's now finally just starting to talk uh, dollar figures and contract figures uh, with teams starting today. Uh, so this is gonna, things are going to start to heat up this week, of course. Uh, you know, teams expect him to, you know, sign with the team by Christmas. 
So that's that's right around the corner, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of Yamamoto right now, uh, and, and it's really again it's, it's it's held up the free agency market. I feel like this year, uh, you know, first it was Otani holding things up, and now it's now it's Yamamoto. So um, you know, right now it's, it's kind of consuming everything, and, and and once this gets resolved, hopefully later in the week, then uh, we'll probably start seeing some other moves fall as well. Pat, I'm curious from your reporting and your research. What's the adjustment? Even a great pitcher like this, <clears throat> excuse me, over in Japan, you know, they pitch once a week, so on and so forth. Even we know this with Singa with the Mets last year. He started out, you know, he was okay, but as he got more adjusted to the rigors of the major league season, he got better and better. What what adjustments, based on what we've seen from Singa, from your reporting, what adjustments will Yamamoto have to make to get into, let's say, an every fourth day rotation with, you know, travel and everything else that goes on with the major leagues. Right. Well, the two biggest adjustments for a player coming, you know, over to major league baseball is, uh, you know, especially from Japan is uh, the baseballs are different. Um, the baseballs are different. And that's something Sanga had to get used to in spring training, as well as, you know, in the early part of the season. And like you said, we saw him, uh, you know, come out and he had some good starts in the beginning, but he did get better as the season went along. And he really, really hit his stride towards, you know, down the stretch of the season. And then, you know, finished with a sub three, three ERA and, um, you know, runner up for the rookie of the year award. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a big one. And then obviously in Japan, they only pitch once a week. So he's going to have to make that adjustment of pitching, you know, through a, through a regular turn or in a major league rotation. Um, but again, this is a super talented guy. He's young and, uh, he's going to have all the tools around him and guidance around him to kind of help him, you know, make that adjustment probably quickly. And, uh, you know, it, it might take some time at first, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't worry about him. And, and like we've, we've talked about, we just saw it with Kodai Sanga last year, you know, the, the example of, um, you know, a guy who kind of took to it pretty quickly. It took a little time to, to get used to things, but then, you know, came into his own and, and pitched like the pitcher they expected him to be. Pat, whether it's just the perception, it is out there that this is the Yankees and Mets going head-to-head after a free agent in the first time, really, in the, in the Steve Cohen ownership era of the Mets. From what you've heard from people, how much of a, of a factor is that from the Mets side of things? I think it's a pretty big factor. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's definitely a level of care there, you know, cross town rivals and, uh, you know, the state's back decades to where, the, you know, the Mets and Yankees are fighting over the back page of the, of the newspaper. And, um, you know, uh, Steve Cohen is a guy who, uh, you know, he, he likes to spend money, obviously. He likes, um, you know, he likes to attract, you know, fans and entertainment, the whole entertainment aspect of the game. And he wants to put the best team on the field. So uh, Yamamoto is the pitcher who they need right now. They don't have an ace in the rotation. And, and if they don't get him, we've heard that, uh, you know, they're not necessarily going to pivot to, to a Snell or, or a Jordan Montgomery. They, they might just go with Kodai Senga being the ace next year, which uh, Kodai Senga is a very good pitcher. But, um, you know, I don't know if I, I wouldn't put him at ace-level type pitcher yet. You know, of course, he could take the next step next year. But, um, you know, right, right now he'd be a good number two, number three. Um, you know, and then from the Yankees standpoint, they don't want to lose out on, on their top target either to the Mets. And, uh, you know, they, they feel like they, they need to get Yamamoto as well to, you know, compliment AL Cy Young award winner Garrett Cole and, uh, you know, kind of solidify their standing that, that they're back. The evil empire is back. Uh, last year was just an outlier. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, a lot of level of care probably on both sides between the two. You know, what's fascinating to me, Pat, already I'm seeing frustrated Mets fans saying that, you know, if, if they if the Mets don't come away with Yamamoto, they're comparing this situation to the Wilpons. I mean, how much pressure is it 
for the Mets to bring this guy in? Will it be a, a lost, deemed a failed offseason if they don't bring him in? Well, first off, I, I have seen that as well, but uh, about the Wilpon comparison, but I, I just don't think that's fair because, um, you know, they're, they're not, if they lose that on Yamamoto, it's not going to be because they weren't willing to pay him. It's going to be because Yamamoto chose, felt that he had a better chance uh, to win or was more attracted, obviously, to, uh, you know, joining the Yankees or the Dodgers, who, again, are probably the two who, who are going to be the favorites to win the pennant next season, um, you know, based off the moves that they've made and the, and the rosters they currently have. Um, so, yeah, so I, I you know, we've seen Steve Cohen spend money the last two off seasons and um, they came out and said over the summer at the trade deadline that they weren't going to spend the same in the same manner that they did, um, you know, the last two, two winters, of course, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it would be disappointing. And I would understand the disappointment from, you know, from Mets fans if they don't get Yamamoto, because again, um, it doesn't sound like they're going to pivot to a Snell giving big money to Snell or, uh, or Montgomery. And um, yeah, again, that, that this is probably the biggest move they'll make. Um, just based off the market, is it's kind of weaker the free agent market. Unless they pull off a trade, um, you know, it's this this is the move kind of that they need to make. So yeah, it would it would be disappointing and and kind of looked at as a failure, I guess, if they if they don't wind up with them. Pat, is there any price that Steve Cohen would just say yeah, that's crazy? I'm not doing that. We've seen it before. I mean, there there is a lot of talk, obviously, about Steve Cohen. He he does spend money. He he's the richest owner in uh, you know in baseball and one of the richest owners in sports. And, um, you know, but he does have his limits and we've seen it. He, he doesn't, we just saw it with Craig Council where, um, you know, the Mets didn't even give him the highest offer. The Mets didn't even offer him what Milwaukee offered him. Um, of course, the Cubs gave Council five, five year contract, $40 million, $8 million a year matching Joe Torrey for the most all time. And uh, the Mets just weren't willing to go there. So, so yeah, I think that there's, there's a number uh, that, that they're going to, you know, there's a number that where they value him at. And there's probably a number that they're not willing to go to. And, um, you know, I don't know exactly what that is. Maybe it could be $325 million, $350 million. Maybe they would, they would cross the line there. I mean, Garrett Cole has the richest contract for a pitcher in baseball history at $324 million. And, uh, you know, we are talking about a, a pitcher who's never pitched in major league, at the Major League Baseball level. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, there is, there is probably a number that, uh, you know, Steve Cohen's not going to be willing to go. He, he, he does have his limits, as we've seen. Pat Vergazzo is our guest. Baseball writer for SI.com. Hard to stay in Damien for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. Pat, I'm curious now, switching away from Yamamoto for a second, I'm curious, what are the Mets going to do with, uh, you know, this DH situation? Uh, J.D. Martinez is a name that's been out there. You know, a couple of other names. Where do you see them ultimately going for that DH spot? Well, there's a couple options out there. You mentioned J.D. Martinez would be a, you know, a really good fit, but, um, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age and, um, you know, he's, he's had back problems the last two years. So it, it's a risk. I mean, he, you know, they can sign him and he's going to make more than the 10 million he made last year with the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, you just don't know. It's, a, it's still a question mark. Like we know the guy can hit when he's healthy, but the question is, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be able to, to play every day as, as a DH, even though he's not in the field, but again, he's had, he's had those back spasms the last couple of years and, and, and he's getting older. So he's, he's going into his age 36, 37 season. And, um, you know, beyond Martinez, he's probably, you know, the best available uh, pure DH out there on the market. Uh, you know, Jorge Soler is an option, gives them more power in the lineup, which complements Pete Alonso. That's been a problem for a couple of years, and that's don't have many power options beyond Alonso. And, uh, you know, a creative one now that kind of opened up after Ronnie Mauricio towards ACL is, is a Justin Turner, where the Mets, mm. who, who have been talking to Justin Turner, which was reported over the weekend, 
um, you know, about a reunion, they could bring back Justin Turner and, um, you know, he could, he could be their DH and then he could also be, uh, you know, he could play third base as well. And, you know, in a part-time role and, um, you know, Justin Turner's getting up there in age as well, but, um, you know, he, he proved he can still really rake and, and that's what he did with the Red Sox last year. So I think that would be a, a pretty, you know, interesting move. Uh, at least one that's intrigued the Mets, obviously, since they're talking to him. Um, you know, I think it would be a good addition if, uh, you know, if the Mets got Justin Turner just from a versatility standpoint where he, he could, he will be your everyday DH, but then he could also play third base as well, which is a question mark, you know, considering Mauricio's probably going to miss most of, if not all of the year with the torn ACL and you don't know what you're going what you're going to get from Brett Beatty and, you know, Mark Vientos has his issues defensively at third base. So, um, so yeah, so Turner, Turner would probably be a pretty, you know, solid move for the Mets to make there. Pat, if, if if Yamamoto goes, you know, someplace else outside of the Mets, where do they pivot in the rotation? Do you think? Yeah, that's so. That's a really tough question. Um, only because, like I said, what's been out there recently is that they're they don't value Snell and Jordan Montgomery with with the money that they're projected to make. Um, so that that is that is really tough. Like there aren't many places, uh, you know, to go from there. Like they they may have to make. Uh, you know, a trade or two, or, you know, probably just sign death starters. Um, you know, so it's, it, it's really, uh, it, it's going to be a tough call. That's kind of why the pressure is really, really on the Nets more than anybody to, uh, you know, to sign this guy because there, there aren't many, uh, you know, good plan B options kind of fill the holes they have in the rotation, at least from the, from the top of the rotation. Um, you know, like I said previously, um, you know, Sanga would, would, you know, be the de facto ace if they don't, um, you know, if they don't, if they're unable to sign Yamamoto, but is he ready to kind of step into that role after just one season, uh, which was a good season, but, uh, you know, again, it's, that's asking a lot of the guys. So, um, you know, unfortunately there's just not many options out there. Uh, Lucas Giolito is a guy who they've shown interest in, but, uh, you know, he's not an ace and, uh, you know, he's had, he had a shaky year last year and you just don't really know what you're going to get from him. Um, but that obviously that's a route they can go if they, if they miss out on Yamamoto or even if they get Yamamoto too, you know, kind of have him in the back end of the rotation. But, um, but yeah, again, they're, they're really going to have to make a push for, for Yamamoto here, clearly. Pat, if they sign Yamamoto, what does that do to their contract negotiations for Pete Alonzo? I don't think one affects the other. I think, um, you know, they're not talking to Pete Alonzo about an extension right now. Um, they don't intend on trading him and he's going to be the first baseman in 2024. Now, um, he saw, he signed Scott Boris as his agent, of course, and you know, Scott Boris typically encourages clients to test the waters in free agency. And I think that's, what's going to happen that teams are going to be in on Alonzo next off season, including the Mets. And, uh, you know, signing Yamamoto shouldn't stop them from, uh, you know, locking up Pete Alonzo and making him Met to life and, you know, giving him a pretty, a pretty nice deal. So, um, again, we, you know, we've been talking about Cohen and how much, you know, how much money he has. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't foresee one affecting the other. And, and do you think that this Yamamoto thing is going to happen here in the next week? That's the word right now is that, um, you know, teams expect Yamamoto to make his decision by Christmas. So, um, should be coming up and, uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more. He'll be consuming our, our daily workloads and conversations, uh, you know, you know, a, a good amount over the next uh, couple of days or so. Um, but, but yes, it does see, it does seem now that this thing's about to come to a head now that he's, um, you know, they're starting to exchange contract figures, uh, you know, with, with, uh, you know, between his agent and uh, teams. Pat sounds like your workload for Yamamoto is going up to 95%. Try to have a good <laughs> holiday. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for a couple minutes. <laughs> sounds great. Thanks for having me.
All right, that's Pat Ragazzo. Does a great job on SI.com. Gordon, um, I got the feeling it's not going to be the Mets. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I got the feeling it's not going to be Mets. If you had to rank them right now, how would you rank them? Um, Yankees, Dodgers, Mets. I would put Dodgers, Mets, Yankees. Okay. I feel like Dodgers is more than like just one. You know what I mean? It's not like the Mets are two. I I feel like it's, if I had to put it in a pie chart, it would be more than 50% Dodgers at this point. I agree too. I agree. We'll turn our attention to the New York Knicks. They've got, I think, Gordon, a a pretty important game coming up here in the next hour and a half right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Gordon, you know, Jason Aldean's Highway Desperado Tour is coming to Northwell Health at Jones Beach Theater on Friday, July 12th, and PNC Bank Arts Center on Saturday, July 13th. And we at ESPN New York have your chance to score tickets at ESPNNewYork.com or on the ESPN New York app. Scroll down the contest and submit your entry. Brought to you by Live Nation. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Hardesty and Damer on 98.7 ESPN up until 10 o'clock. And then our coverage of the Knicks and Lakers will kick off with, uh, you know, the uh, tip-off just about maybe 10.40 or so here on 98.7 ESPN. And Gordon, I'm going to say this, and it's it's crazy, it's weird, it's unbecoming of me. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is a big game for the Knicks tonight. This is a game where I want to see if they can find a way. And listen, I get it. LeBron is playing out of his mind. Anthony Davis is playing better over the past couple weeks. Okay? Uh, I need to see the Knicks come up with some kind of defensive effort, Gordon. They have been giving up points like you give away candy at Halloween. Uh, they've, they've They've had no defensive integrity. They're trying to outscore opponents. And to be honest, they don't shoot that well especially from the three consistently, to be in a position where they're trying to outscore opponents. And, you know, once again, you had Jalen Brunson score 50 the other night. Fabulous performance. Great. Loved it. But for me, I mean, what it did was you got people standing around looking and you're putting, the the scary thing for me about it is you're putting Julius Randle now in the position of being a point forward where he feels he's got to bring the ball up and, command the double team and wait for people to come over or his latest thing, driving in the middle of the lane and leaving his feet and then trying to pass off to somebody to get shots. Gordon, for me, this is a big, big game for the Knicks. I want to hear what you have to say next on 98.7 ESPN.